Hi, and welcome to A Body's Tale, where we discuss medical maladies firsthand. I'm your host, Eric Ramson. In today's episode, we talk to a young woman about an ACL reconstructive surgery that she had to have after a sudden uh, movement in a soccer match led to a sudden pop in her knee. I hope you enjoy. Uh, so I'm sitting here with Victoria, and we are going to talk about uh, ACL reconstruction and some of the things that come along with that. Uh, but I, I don't want to take away too much from the story, so Victoria, please take Start it away. from the beginning? Please, just start from the beginning, yeah. Okay, so I have played soccer since I was probably like five years old. I loved it, and... I was, everything was great health-wise up until my junior year of high school, and during that year I was on a travel team, and during one of the, se- the games at the beginning of the season in the fall, I was going at it with one of the opponents on the other team trying to get the ball, and I just, I planted weird, and I heard a really loud popping sound, and I immediately knew that it wasn't good. It was like if you go and look at the mechanism injury and signs and symptoms of an ACL injury is like textbook what happened. And so I knew initially that something went wrong. Of course, I was in a little bit of denial because I didn't want something to be wrong. So my dad and my stepdad, they came and carried me off the field and we went home. And then I think the next day they got me into a little orthopedic center, a little down the road from my house, and they got me in for an MRI and then that was just a waiting game then. I had to wait to get my results back to see what happened. And I think it was probably about a week later that the results came in and I sat down with my doctor and he pulled up the little pictures from the MRI and he was kind of scrolling through them and he he looks at me and he says, well, this is what a meniscus, partial meniscus tear looks like. And in my head, I'm like, okay, it's not great, but it's not the worst thing that could have happened. And then he keeps going through, going through, and then he looks at me and he says, and this is what a complete ACL tear looks like. So that is when, in my head, I just kind of started panicking. It took everything in me not to just break down and cry right then and there. And I just, I was so frustrated, but I was just, you know, I was keeping it together in front of, my dad was with me in front of my doctor. But the second I got in the car with my dad to leave, I just started bawling. And I think the reason I was so upset is because... I'd seen what other people I knew that have gone through this and the surgery and recovery and everything, and they were never quite, they weren't 100% like themselves afterwards. And I was I was nervous for that. And I, I remember telling my dad that I wanted to quit soccer altogether. I was like, I'm not playing anymore. I'm done. Like, And I think it was because I was afraid that I'd never be as like good or as in shape as I once was. But we set up the surgery with my doctor, and I went in for that not too long after, and they did a standard patellar graft. They took my patellar tendon and replaced my ACL, and they stitched my meniscus together. And that was the end of the surgery, and then it was just recovery from there, which that's when it gets a lot harder, I guess. So I started rehab like only a couple days after my surgery, after being home. And it was so weird because I didn't, I was in a lot of pain after the surgery, obviously, but right away they wanted me to start doing simple exercises and things like that. And it was just, it was odd because all my, all my muscle mass in that leg was mush. And 
it was, I just was not, it was not normal at all for me. I'd, I'd never had a surgery or anything before, never experienced anything like that. And it was frustrating because I didn't, couldn't do simple things like walk or even like just stand up on both my legs. So that was really frustrating for me. So for my first day of physical therapy, my dad helps me get out of bed. I, he tries to help me move my leg a little bit and so I can get warmed up to go into therapy. And I go in and he just, my physical therapist, Paul, he just asked me some simple things like rate my pain scale one to 10 and just basic things, how I was feeling. I didn't really get into any exercises yet, but, um, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> so I, that, that was really slow at first, but as I start to get into things, they give me my home exercises and I can I can kind of see things getting a little bit, like I'm progressing a little bit, but it was just so difficult because do, going from doing everything normally and then I can't walk or stand or anything, it was just so frustrating. And in my head, I felt really like alone in it. That was something that was really hard. I felt really alone and just overall really frustrated. And I, I was the one that was going through it. Nobody else was going through the rehab or anything. So I just, you know, I had to kind of just find the strength in myself to do everything. So even though you're getting support from the physical therapist and from your family, like you still felt kind of alone in this because you were the one who was really going through it. Yep. And it was great having a support system, but like there was only so much they could do. Sure. They can't go in my head and <clears throat> tell me to feel a certain way or overcome certain things. So it was a lot of it was on me. Okay, so continue continue on with your story. Sorry, I had a quick coughing fit. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so getting into the rehab and physical therapy, I remember within the first few months, I started getting nervous because my physical therapist had notified me that my muscle mass and muscle strength for my injured leg, or well now, rehabbing leg, wasn't where it was supposed to be. So they were hooking me up to these machines that helped it fire and do certain things. But I, that was, I felt like I was being set back even farther. So that goes back to being frustrated and feeling like, what am I going to do? So I just, once I, that was probably a big part of like, knowing that I had to keep doing my home exercises. Like I knew they were important since I started very first started my therapy, but then once I was like, okay, it might not be where I'm supposed to be. I just, I kept doing them as much as I could. And I, my dad, I remember my dad told me, he was like, you're a robot in your room doing those every day. Cause I was really disciplined about it. And that was, I think that's, that's one of the most important things. If you're going to rehab from an injury and you want to get back to where you were, you have to do your home exercises. I can't stress how important that is. So I just, I, I did those religiously and I started seeing progress and that was, that was like motivating for me. You know, I'm, I'm still kind of like getting a little bit depressed in my head. Like everyone else can do, go and do certain things. And I'm like hobbling around on crutches and whatever, but eventually I got rid of those and started getting better. And it was all, it was from, once I started seeing progress, it was just, it was all uphill from there. It was, everything was getting better at that point even though there's still a lot to overcome, so. So would you say then the uh, the, tur the turning point was when you went in and they 
they said, look, your muscle mass was not as, as much as it should be. Yeah. And you realized, oh, no, I, I really got to push it if I want to get back to yeah, I think full definitely. functionality. Yep. I think the whole time I, I knew that I, I wanted to get better, but once I saw that I could have been doing better and, like, I knew that there was more I could do to help myself, that was kind of a wake-up call for me. Would, would you say that that wake-up call was actually more motivating? Would you say that it was at first kind of depressing like you it was it was definitely depressing because i was like just in my head i'm like why can't i do like no matter how hard hard i would try i just i couldn't i could not contract my quad muscles i'm like why is something so simple made so hard so it was it was depressing but then once i got over the initial like i don't know if you want to say shock of that i that was when it started to motivate me to do more because it was just, it, again, frustrating. So. Right. So you turned that frustration into motivation mm-hmm. and started doing all those home exercises. Yep. And still along the way through the whole process, I still had points where I would get mad about something. I'm like, why, why did this happen to me? But in the end, it was, I guess it was, it benefited me to have that happen so I could r- recover more quickly. Sure. Yep. Interesting. And uh, so kind of talk more about, you had said uh, in our previous conversation, you know, you were, you were kind of bummed about certain things that you couldn't do, like mm-hmm. going and hanging out on Halloween and stuff oh, because yeah. of crutches. So mm-hmm. kind of talk more about that, where you were mentally and, and what eventually helped you kind of turn around there. Yep. So before I could fully weight bear on that leg, you know, I'm on, I'm on crutches. I can't get around very well. And I just, I felt really left out because I'm finally like getting into an upperclassman. I'm a junior. All my friends are going to the football games and then Halloween's my favorite holiday. They're all going to haunted houses and doing things that I couldn't do. So like they wouldn't, my friends would include me as much as they could. But when it came to things like that, where there's a lot of people or you're going to get knocked around a little bit, I've obviously couldn't go unless I like it was just a risk for me to get hurt again and so yeah I just felt really left out in that not being able to do things that I would regularly do if I weren't injured so yeah that was not fun well you were I think you were also saying previously too that it it wasn't necessarily that your friends weren't they they were inviting you to things and they were trying to be supportive Mm -hmm. it was just one of these things once again you felt kind of alone in that respect and you felt like you're the only one going through this and and so even though they were trying to be very supportive as was your family you still felt kind of alone in this yeah and they did everything that they could but like most of my friends at the time and none of my family had ever had such a devastating injury happen to them and have to go through such a serious surgery so you know they they did everything they could but at the end of the day they just didn't really fully understand what i was going through so and but then at some point you made the the mental shift and said, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to recover. I'm going to do better. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start doing these exercises. Yep. Um, so you, you took it from that kind of bummed out state to, I'm going to be motivated and do more. Yes. Uh, where, do, where do you think that kind of resolve came from? You know, the, the ability to switch from, because some people seem to have, have difficulty switching out of a depressive state mm-hmm. like that, especially when they're physically not the same as what they were once uh, capable of doing. Where do you think that that strength came from, that ability to switch? I think a a lot of it 
was, well, part of it was seeing everyone around me doing normal everyday things. And then a lot of my friends at the time were on my school soccer team. And I, I said initially I was not, I was going to quit. I wasn't going to do it anymore. But then they started doing like off season indoor training and things like that. And I just realized how much I missed I missed it. So that was, that was a, a big thing that I was like, okay, I really want to get back into this. And then I just, I had seen what other people around me went through when they had the surgery. And I didn't want to just sit around and feel sorry for myself when I knew that I could just get at it with my exercises and keep going to physical therapy. You know, there's only so much I could do, sure. but I knew what I could do. Sure. So I don't know if there was a specific, like, thing I think that made me get over the depression side of it. It might have been just a, everything going sure. on at that point in time. So you knew recovery was possible because mm-hmm. you'd seen it in other people. Yes. So you know it was physically possible. And so you started to realize the things you missed that you wanted to do, said, okay, this is possible. Mm-hmm. They they told you that your muscle is, in, is still atrophied. Yep. And you said, okay, I got to change this. So you started doing a lot more of those home exercises. Yes. And then I, once I saw the progress and I, and then I started doing a lot better. I recovered within six months of standard. I recovered in like five months, I think. So a little bit earlier, I was just, I was just working really hard and it was every time I saw more improvement and my physical therapist told me what kind of track I was on. It just encouraged me that much more to keep going and get cleared by him and my doctor. So, sure. Mm -hmm. So once the recovery period hits, um, you had talked a little bit about, you know, when you finally went back into playing soccer, mm-hmm. like get us into that and, and the idea of, uh, you had also talked about how the, the brace really helped you and especially helped your mental state in, in terms of getting back into it. So let's talk about that kind of period in your life. Okay. So it was probably about, I want to say like four months into my physical therapy, I had to get fitted for my brace. And it was really weird at first. I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but once I got used to it, it felt really comfortable. So once I got back into playing soccer that spring, it just, it was like my security blanket and it, you know, it looks kind of bulky and weird, but for me, it was just like, it's all mental. I think without it, I would have been more nervous about re-injuring it, but knowing that I had it on like subconsciously, I just was doing a lot better and feeling more confident. I still struggled with that and the whole confidence thing, you know, coming back from a devastating injury is never something that's going to be easy, but the brace definitely helped. And it took, it took me a while to get back into the swing of things when it came to playing soccer. You know, it's kind of, you have to run a lot, you're cutting a lot. So a lot of scary things <laughs> so right a lot of movements that you would be concerned about injuring that same ACL yes but every day when I I would get back into practice and the, the more that I did it the more comfortable I became with it and it was still it took me a long time to get back to where I was before I was injured but just the whole through the whole process I was just constantly gaining more confidence even though it took a long time one for those people listening that aren't familiar, your, your knees are very good at going front to back. Yeah. <laughs> They're not meant to go side to side, and that's when those injuries really happen. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying with cutting is that you're suddenly going from one direction to an, a, right. off to the side yep. in a different direction. It's a sudden lateral movement, and that could put a lot of strain on the, the ACL, the MCL, and 
and you were concerned about that. Mm-hmm. But it was on, it only affected me when I thought about it. Like if I wasn't thinking about it during the game, I'm not really. I would try not to be focused on it, and eventually you get into the action, you stop thinking about it, and it's like it never happened. It's when you think about it that's when you run into trouble. I think personally, that's just my opinion. Sure. And that brace helped you not think about it because you felt like you had additional support from the brace right. that would prevent the injury. What, right. Was the brace one of those, I, I'm just thinking of like those like neoprene braces where they, I mean, was it more elaborate than that? It was, it was actually all like, I think it was fiberglass. Okay. And so it was, it was all fiberglass, had some pad, <clears throat> excuse me, some padding, a bunch of straps. So it was pretty industrial, but... And I think knowing that I was given this to help support me, like, I knew that it, without it, like, w- I think without it, I would have been a lot more nervous sure. than to have it. And did you play that whole next season then with a the brace on? Yep. I went through the whole season, and I, I wasn't 100%, but eventually I did get there within the next year during my senior year. Okay. Yep. And then during your senior year, did you wear the, the brace as well? I did wear it. I didn't have to. I needed it. I don't remember exactly how long they said I was supposed to wear the brace for, but I just know for the following spring, my senior year, I didn't technically have to wear it. But I did because I was like, okay, this is my senior year. This is the last year I get to play. I really don't want to get hurt. Sure. So I just didn't want to take any risks. So, okay. And I was used to it at that point also. Sure. So you wore it all senior year season? Yep. Okay. And you had said at one point that you were actually felt like you were playing better than you were before the inter- injury mm-hmm. uh, during that season. I think so. Because I was able, my senior year, I was able to get back into our, our cross training and our indoor training and all that kind of stuff. So I was 100% in it. And I, I had gained so much more confidence at this point. And just mentally, I was a lot stronger. Mentally and physically, physically I was a lot stronger. And do you think uh, the, the home exercises then had something to do with that? You knew that, that doing these additional exercises and doing this additional training would improve and improve your performance and your stability and all that? Do you yes. think that played a role then in, in training for that final season? Yes, I think so. So I had home exercises until I was cleared to go back to play. And then I knew that continuing to build my muscle mass and strengthen the surrounding structures, I'd be a lot better off. So I spent a lot of the off season doing that kind of stuff because I kind of like trained myself to keep putting in little extra work because I knew they would benefit me in the end. Because you saw the benefits from the home exercises. Yep, exactly. Yeah, and, and for those listening, you know, the the stronger those muscles are surrounding the knee, the, the more stable the knee is and the less likely you are to get injured. So that's, that's a really important aspect of it. If you want that strength and, and not to have that injury occur, the stronger those muscles are, the better you, the reduced your risk. I mean, it's still not perfectly reduced, but right. the, the greater the reduction in that risk. Mm-hmm. Very true. Um, anything else you'd like to add in, in regards to this? I think the most important thing that I took away from this is that no matter, especially in recovering from injuries, but really no matter what in life, and it sounds really cliche, you have to, you can't give up and you have to just keep putting in the work if you want to get a good outcome. You have to keep, do your home exercises and keep working hard. There were so many times that I wanted to just give up and just, you know, just say whatever, like I'll just be at 50% the rest of my life. But the more, the harder you work and the more positive you are, optimistic, 
you're gonna have a better outcome, even if it's something that's super hard, because this was really hard for me. But when I had an attitude change, that really helped. It's a lot of mental, Absolutely. mental thought. So the support group that you had was great, and mm-hmm. that really helped. Yes. But you found like you had to find that strength from within to mm-hmm. really come back from this. Yeah, and a lot of people won't have a support group like that. So that can be really hard, too, and you have to find it within yourself. You have to rely on yourself to do everything. You can get as much support from everybody else, but at the end of the day, it's all on you. It's up to you to help yourself. And do you still play soccer now? I do, I do some indoor leagues and intramural, but nothing serious. It's kind of casual. But you still do it fun. just for fun? Yep. So it didn't stop you from doing what you want to do? Nope. That's because great. I worked as hard as I could, and I at least tried to stay optimistic. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, as per usual, with, with everybody else and with you, I, I can't top that. So I think that's a good place to stop. So. Okay. Uh, Victoria, thank you for coming in and sharing your story. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, well that wraps up A Body's Tale for today. I thank you for joining me. I also thank Victoria for joining us and talking about her ACL reconstruction and all the things involved. Uh, If you want to learn more about ACL reconstruction, the Mayo Clinic has got a really good website talking about it. So just go ahead and go to your favorite search engine and, and search for ACL reconstructive surgery at Mayo Clinic. All right, thanks again for stopping by, and I will see you next time.